Hello, my name is Christine Murray, Editor-in-Chief of The Developer, and welcome to The Developer Podcast, where we talk about how to design and develop cities worth living in, which often has to do with the spaces between the buildings, as much as the buildings themselves. The International Festival Garden site in Liverpool opened in 1984 and closed in 1996. Situated in South Liverpool on the bank of the river, three miles from the city centre, it offers an opportunity to make a new place. The site comprises the publicly owned gardens known as Festival Gardens, approximately 25 acres, the Southern Grasslands, about 47 acres, and the Development Zone, 28 acres which have planning consent for 1,308 apartments and 66 townhouses. Claire Slinger, Director of Development and Investment at Liverpool Council, talks to the developer about their plans for the Festival Gardens site, as well as other development projects across the city. Okay, uh, my name's Claire Slinger. I'm the Assistant Director for Investment and Development at Liverpool City Council. Tell me about what you're working on at the moment, what's happening in Liverpool at the moment. Okay, well, Liverpool's actually seeing some unprecedented growth at the moment, which is fantastic. Um, Riding on the back of a difficult recession and obviously Brexit on the horizon, um, we're experiencing some real investment in the city. So in the last six years, about £7 billion worth of investment. And 2019-2020 is set to see another billion pounds at least. So we're currently delivering about 200 projects. And of those, there are 35 that sort of major transformational projects in the city. So where's the investment coming from and why has it arrived right now? The investment's coming from an international investment. It's also coming from within the UK. Um, I think what people are seeing about Liverpool is um, we're a very well-kept secret. So where cities like, for example, London, Birmingham, Manchester are sort of maxing out in development terms, in Liverpool we still have some headroom, there's still some opportunities here for growth, regeneration and redevelopment. So we've seen um, a real driving force between inward investment um, and developers coming to the city to buy land and also to look to work with the city council to facilitate schemes. So what are your um, ambitions and views as you're trying to kind of harness this moment for Liverpool? Um, Our ambitions. So we see our role as twofold in the main. We look at our role as direct delivery, but we also see that we're here to facilitate schemes and developments. So we're here to help. Um, We do direct delivery, so some projects and examples of that are kind of Paddington Village, which is on site at the moment, which is a £1 billion development for health and life sciences. But also we like to facilitate projects and we work with public sector partners and private sector partners to enable projects to get away and effectively get off the ground. Um, So we've got a very strong collaborative working relationship with the Combined Authority, with Homes England, and a good example of that working would be Festival Gardens Project, which is coming forward soon, Um, but it's aided by grant assistance from Homes England because the land needs remediation. It's a former landfill site. So we see our role as twofold, but we like to be involved in um, everything that's happening inside and outside of the city centre because we also want to grow the city at the right rate in line with the population. So inclusive growth is a key thing for us. We have an inclusive growth plan which came into action about 18 months ago. So our ambitions are to grow the city economically with sustainable development in line with our growth plan, which not only achieves kind of the regeneration side, but we want to make Liverpool the best place to live, work and visit. So when you look 
at that mix of investment coming in? Is it primarily into residential property or is there a real mix of things happening? There's a real mix of things going on in Liverpool at the moment. Um, there's a lot of commercial investment and development as well. Um, some of it is predominantly residential and we've seen quite a large boom on the residential side. Um, we've got a number of PRS schemes. Um, we've got some grade A office space coming forward with the Palmel office development. Um, and we're looking to increase our office space at the moment. Um, we're a very strong city in terms of our tourism as well, but we need to grow our commercial and professional sectors. When you look at, um, maybe we could take a closer look at some of these specific projects like International Gardens. So can you tell me a little bit about what's happening there? Yeah, of course. Um, Festival Gardens is a site that um, was in private sector ownership for a number of years. Um, when the 2008 recession happened, um, the private de developer didn't bring it forward at that time. And it sat stymied for a long time. Um, we actually bought the site back. Um, we had the freehold, they had a lease. We bought the site back off them a few years ago. And we've been working very, very hard to develop a remediation strategy because it's a former landfill site on the waterfront, but it's 90 acres of land. And within a development zone where you could put housing, there's about 30 acres of land which could be developed on a main arterial highway and route into the city. So we decided to take control of the site and to buy it back in. And we've worked very hard on a remediation strategy. And we also procured two developers to work with us. So we're at a stage now where we are finalising our remediation strategy and a planning application is going to come forward for that remediation. And in due course next year, early next year, there'll be a planning application from the developer for residential development. Our plans for the site on part of it are to deliver about 1,500 new homes. There are challenges. Um, you have to develop your remediation strategy around your master plan for your residential because that will actually hone the costs and reduce them in terms of the remediation. But we've also had some help from Homes England and we're getting a 9.9 .9 million injection of grant um, which will assist with the remediation cost. The combined authority have also agreed to, to provide some grant in the same sum towards the site. So with a private sector developer and three public bodies, the site will come forward in the very near future. So we've unlocked the delivery of Festival Gardens, which has been a problem for a number of years. It's got such a nice, lovely name for something that is so dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, indeed. It's a former landfill site, um, so it's it's there's a lot of problems in the, in the site. We're looking at different um, ways of removing the contamination. We've had to get quite creative. Um, so what we now don't know about soil cleansing methods isn't worth knowing. Um, but we're looking at different ways of decontaminating the site in a cost-effective way. But we're planning for the future as well, um, because what you could do is move it from one part of the site to another, but that just moves the problem in reality um, it doesn't resolve anything in the long term so we're only developing 30 of the 90 acres um, the remainder of the site um, a large part of it will be kept as open space um, and we're looking at potential leisure opportunities um, to enhance the residential development in tandem with working with the combined authority to improve the highways and the access to the area so just for someone who's looking at a contaminated site now that you've done mm -hmm. all this work what advice would you have for them it's an awful lot of work. Um, when I when I first sort of was given the given this project a couple of years ago, my first thought was, what have I done to deserve this? Because it seems like the impossible problem. Um, you have a huge funding issue in relation to the remediation cost. 
Um, but what we had to do was drive forward on the remediation. We couldn't lose sight of the end goal. Um, we didn't have all the answers to all of the problems on day one, but it was obvious to me as a project lead that if you leave the site sitting there stymied and you don't start to drive it forward, nothing's going to happen in the longer term. Um, with the work that we did and the investment that we put into it ourselves by not only buying it back, but actually um, conducting site investigations and gaining a real critical understanding of the problems under the ground, we were actually able to put a plan in place and approach public sector partners and say to them, look, this is the next big opportunity for the city region in housing terms. It's one of the best sites in Liverpool. It's on the waterfront and it needs to come forward, but we need your help to do it. Um, and with our, with our initial piece of work that we did, we were informed, um, we understood what we needed to do and we had a plan. With that plan in place, it encouraged the investment. So it was, it was clear that we needed to drive it ourselves and that's where our, our skills come in in terms of direct delivery because we often tackle projects that the private sector can't because the cost is prohibitive. So I think what you've got to do with remediation projects is understand the challenges and also understand that there are a lot of different methods out there now to tackle remediation issues and a lot of them, a lot of them are utilised in the US. We've had to look at soil cleansing methods that haven't predominantly been used in the UK. So we're using kind of groundbreaking methods to, to, to overcome these challenges. One of the comments you made was about investing to grow. And is that an mm -hmm. example of where you're really driving the project forward? Yeah, we are we are investing to earn a festival gardens. That that project, because of the prohibitive costs for the remediation up front. Um, that, that's about growth, that's about making sure that the city has the best houses and the best places and it encourages people to stay in Liverpool. So for example, we, we've got access to 12 universities in the city region, about 80,000 graduates a year, but we have to look at how many stay and why do they stay. Um, so that wasn't predominantly an invest to earn project, um, but we do undertake some projects which are specific invest to earn projects. And good examples of those would be the QNR building that the council bought in 2013, um, where we rationalised and um, we sold two other assets. We moved our own staff into the building, which is one of the three graces on the waterfront. We sold a number of other buildings to, to enable capital receipts to come into our coffers. And we now operate out of one of the best buildings and we've increased the value of it because we brought commercial tenants in as well. So that's an excellent example where we've invested in something to earn some money out of it. And we have a portfolio of investments along those lines. Um, a few years ago, we purchased um, Finch Farm, which is Everton's training um, academy and we lease it back to the club and we plough the rent that we take from the lease back into the services. So that directly benefits the people in the city and it also works in collaboration with one of our two main football teams. So this sharp thinking, this kind of nimbleness, has that long been a part of Liverpool City Council? Is that new? I think it's... Well, I've been in City Council since 2012. Before that, I was in the private sector. Certainly when I joined, I recognised that there was a different way of thinking and there was a more commercial approach. Um, the, the team that we have within the Regeneration Directorate has commercial awareness. We have to be thinking these days about how we're going to make money out of things because we've had huge government cuts in the last few years and that's not set to change. Um, but I think a lot of councils are operating in a different way. Um, we, we work on the basis of we have a very multi-skilled team. Um, we all think commercially and we have to look at each, each project in two separate ways. We look at the financial implications of it. We look at whether we can actually make any money from it to plough it back into services. But secondarily, but predominantly really, we look at it in terms of inclusive growth because we have an inclusive growth plan. 
and that is about improving homes, improving schools, making sure everybody has a good job, um, improving Liverpool environment and making it, a, you know, a safe and, and sort of digitally enhanced city. Um, so we look at every single project, both in a financial way and also in terms of how will it deliver our inclusive growth plan, which aims will it satisfy, will we achieve our vision? And we have that in mind with everything that we do. That um, inclusivity, when we look at uh, a lot of the cities that have started to see their property values rise and have been trying to kind of attract those those educated students to stay, um, they've kind of later seen those tensions of, of gentrification in that sense of the people who've been left behind. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are plenty of people in Liverpool now who feel already left behind to a certain extent or perhaps not included, but how, how do you bring them along and, and make sure that they they feel the benefit of so much of this. I think you have to bring people on a journey and you have to tell the story. I mean, the Liverpool 10 years ago is not the Liverpool that you see today. Um, I left here as a student aged 18 and went to live in another city, um, quite frankly, because I thought, well, maybe there's a better place to be. Um, and when I lived abroad for a few years, then I came back to Liverpool in 2011. Um, and I was extremely surprised by the progression and the development. Um, it's an exciting place to be. People do talk about how it has improved rapidly over the last 10 years, rapidly. You, you don't recognise the city compared to what it was before. Um, we, what we need to do is we need to harness the graduates who are coming to the city from other places. We need to keep people here. But for that reason, we also need to give them the good, the good highly well-paid jobs um, in the sectors that they desire. Um, and one thing that we're working on with a lot of our projects at the moment is to grow some of the sectors where we, we feel we're lacking in the city. So we feel that we could have a bigger digital creative tech sector. So what we're doing is um, we're undertaking a project which we've called Upper Central, where we've looked at the area around Lime Street and Central Stations. And Central Station is probably the busiest station outside of London in, in any city. And we're looking at actually how we harness um, development at pace and at breadth in that area adjacent to the train station to effectively um, provide a home for businesses who will then consider locating themselves in Liverpool because if the provision isn't there, they won't move. So we've looked at where, where things are missing for us as a city and Paddington Village effectively is dealing with health and life sciences and it's in collaboration with the universities. We need to, get, we need to grow our professional services sector and we also need to grow our digital tech and creative sectors. So I think that by providing the jobs and by people being able to see that there's growth and the new people who come here make a conscious decision to remain here because they think it's a good place to live and work. I think that's how we bring people along with us. Is that the same as the Knowledge Quarter? The Knowledge Quarter is different. It's very linked. The Knowledge Quarter is, is a, a zone in the city and Paddington Village is one project that the City Council is delivering as part of it. So that's a billion pound project which is on site at the moment. Nine plots, um, a number of different buildings, but the Royal College of Physicians is having its first home outside of London in Liverpool, which is, which is a great coup for us. So when you look um, forward and you kind of cast yourself into the Liverpool, perhaps at the end of these projects or mm -hmm. as you kind of come closer to um, to the conclusion of this three billion pounds of, of development, you know, what kind of place does it become? Liverpool is constantly evolving. It's changed a lot, um, certainly in the last probably seven years that I've worked in the City Council. Um, to me, the projects don't end. 
actually um the, the projects continue in some in some shape or form so what we are looking to do at the moment is we've 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 kind of zoomed out in terms of the way that we look at the city so we have a local plan that's going to be adopted next year but in the last few years two or three years we've undertaken um a series of spatial regeneration frameworks where what we've done is we've looked at the city in composite parts and we've identified districts or quarters or area where improvements can be made. We've um, done a piece of work for each of those areas. Um, and, you know, Mike says we've SRF the city to death. We kind of have. Um, but the reason why we've done it that way is because we've recognised that there's an, a number of component parts in Liverpool and every area has its strengths, it also has its challenges. And we need to tackle each one differently. But what we need to do is underpin and harness the strength of the local plan as well. So where we're going in the future is we are, we are looking at the city in terms of its different areas. We are developing each one as we think it needs to be and the reason why we're doing it like that is because we want to make sure that there are no gaps so we're looking at our neighbourhoods as well and we're, we're looking this year in more detail at our neighbourhoods and our high streets so we're not just ignoring anything that's outside of the city centre so we need composite growth that's got some breadth across the city so that nobody feels like something is being done to them and um, they're along for the journey and they can see the benefits before their eyes. Are you also looking to preserve some affordable housing in the city centre you know this kind of this this might not be a problem now but perhaps going forward yeah we do we've got two we've got two main kind of um objectives in terms of housing so the council set up its own housing company called foundations um foundations is charged with charged with delivering a number of new homes um but more recently as well um as, as a result of conversations with central government about housing revenue account we've made a decision to go forward and to start building council houses again now we also look at the um, provision of affordable housing across schemes as well so when we work with developers on planning applications we, we will make recommendations and provision for affordable housing there so that we have a good housing mix um, I'm not saying we're, we're not fraught with our challenges on the housing front and we know that there are some issues um, but we're doing our best with foundations as a private sector company which is owned by the council and also with our decision as well to build our own council houses to try and close the gaps in the market um, foundations has got a very interesting model which is effectively rent to buy so your rent will go into a pot and it will build up as a deposit and after a number of years when you have a deposit you can purchase that house and that does two things it gets people on the housing ladder without them necessarily having a deposit on day one but also it enables them to kind of invest in the property that they're renting because if you're renting something but you know you might be buying it down the line you're very much more likely to take good care of it and you know live in a community where people are there for a long-term basis so we've got to look at the housing market slightly differently so with foundations and the decision by the mayor very recently to build council houses in, in relation to our collaboration with the private sector as well we're hoping to have a very rounded approach to close all those gaps in the housing market that we have in the city it's an interesting model. Once you, mm -hmm. if you choose not to purchase at the end of that, do you take your deposit with you, or is that your rent paid? Um, I can't honestly answer that question <laughs> for you at the moment. You probably need yeah. to ask our chief operating officer of the housing company. Um, but it has a number of different models, foundations. So it's predicated on purchasing houses that were already built or building its own or this rent-to-buy model, um, or potentially grants and mortgages. So there's a number of things the housing company can do, and it's empowered to do. Um, but what ultimately what it is trying to do is work with the individuals so that they have a product and they have a long-term home, and they're not just throwing money away, paying rent consistently. So it's designed to try and combat some of these issues. 
One of the um, issues that we see coming up in cities is about as residents move into the city centre and it becomes more um, more dense and more residential, that a lot of the nightclubs close mm -hmm. and that there's a, an issue with music venues because there's noise complaints or they become undesirable venues and that that can have a knock-on um, effect to music culture in the city. Mm -hmm. Liverpool has a huge yeah. uh, musical um, history and, and culture to build on. Is that something you guys kind of have in your mind about space for culture? But yeah, um, do you mean in terms of the housing or...? In terms of preserving things like music venues or, or um, nightclubs, despite the fact that you're going to have residents living above or next yeah, door? Yeah, I mean, all of these things are taken into account when planning applications are assessed ultimately. Um, so there will be assessments um, to cover off these types of things. I think if you're living in the city centre, um, particularly in one which is as vibrant as Liverpool city centre as it can be on certain nights of the week, um, I think you kind of have to take it on the chin a little bit. Um, if you, you know, I used to live in the city centre myself and it, it, it is fraught with noise because it's not just nighttime economy noise, it's actually things like you know, bins being collected at three, four or five in the morning um, that you have to live with. But we do take that into account when we're assessing planning applications. Um, residents who move into the city centre I think have got to be realistic about that sort of thing but in terms of the music culture and the way the city's coming forward we've got a very strong cultural offering um, it is it is kept to certain parts of the city in the sense that we've got large arenas and we've got many smaller venues dotted in and around the city centre um, and we've also got a large number of theatres as well um, but as hopefully they wouldn't disturb anybody late at night. What's your favourite uh, development that you're working on or the ones that you're most passionate and excited about? Okay, um, I'll talk about one that's probably, it's not done yet, um, but I, when I came to the council in 2012, um, I started working immediately on the Anfield project, as it was known then, and we were working with Liverpool Football Club, um, not only to regenerate and improve the area of Anfield, but to help them deliver the footprint for their stadium expansion as well. Um, Anfield at the time is very different to the way it is today um, and we haven't finished in Anfield yet we've still got an awful lot of work to do but it's been a vast improvement in terms of regeneration and I think the residents would agree with that but we worked with the residents in the area and we worked with Liverpool Football Club and the City Council acquired a number of properties in the kind of three or four adjacent streets to where the football club currently used to sit um, and then we actually um, sold those properties back to the football club so that they had the footprint to do their expansion. Um, at the time, it was very difficult um, because the club had bought up a number of properties itself. There was a lot of blight in the area um, and there was a lot of kind of, um, you know, people weren't very happy about the way the area had been run, um, about the club as a neighbour. And we had to go in as city council and ensure that we were there with an objective head in terms of delivering an improved area and that was what we wanted to do and the way that we did that was by sitting down with the residents and saying okay well if you didn't live here where would you like to live in an ideal world and what would you do and we we effectively brokered deals where everybody was happy they moved out without the requirement for a compulsory purchase order we sold the land back to Liverpool Football Club, but we ploughed the money that we received from them, which was more than the land that we paid for it, back into the area. So we reinvested that sum in the area. Um, we improved the highways, we made environmental improvements, we've done some work on um, acquiring properties on the high streets to then sell them on and improve. So we feel that in regeneration terms, that was a very successful project. Um, I didn't lead on it at the time, but I was part of it. 
Um, but I feel extremely proud of that one. Um, I'm very, very excited about it. And the other one as well is Festival Gardens because I have started on a journey with that. So that is, um, you know, that, that is a project that we are spearheading on at the moment to try and, um, to try and get it delivered. And I believe that we will be on site next year. And just the scale of Festival Gardens too, being such a remarkably big yeah, project. Minimum, minimum 450 million. So it's yeah, we've got a lot of work to do, but we are absolutely excited about it. Um, it's a game changer for the city in housing terms. It really is, and what it will do is we will end up with um, two new boundaries for the city centre. I believe Festival Gardens will be one, and when Everton put their planning application in in October this year, that will be the other. So the boundary of the city centre will, will change significantly. They will operate like two new bookends and we're also looking at how we develop transportation links along the waterfront and we're going to spatially regenerate the waterfront as well to ensure that it moves along with the, with the new boundaries of the city. Do you have any advice or thoughts to share on community engagement and creating with communities? I mean, you had success in Anfield mm -hmm. and just how, how do people approach that? What are the things that people often get wrong or, um, you know, what works? What goes wrong is lack of consultation. Um, effectively so you have to consult every step of the way you need to hear people and you've, act you've actually got to listen to what they want um, and I would rather do more consultation than the bare minimum I think that you need to um, one thing in the regeneration team that we try to do is ensure that people don't feel like things are being done to them by way of projects um, they need to understand why we're looking to achieve what we're looking to achieve and that does involve some difficult decisions at times and it can also involve kind of you know there'll, there'll be a lot of unrest when you have to make difficult decisions but regeneration has to be about growth and ultimately that means change and sometimes people don't like change but I genuinely do believe that if you bring people on the journey with you and they understand why you're doing what you're doing you'll get far further than if you just make a decision that doesn't seem to have been consulted upon um, and I do think that's where mistakes can be made. I mean, I guess it just leaves to 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 ask you um, to describe the Liverpool of the future that I'm going to arrive in, in maybe 20 years' time, 30 years' time. Okay, I think the Liverpool of the future will have um, a new football stadium in Bromley Moor Dock. It will have 1,500 homes and festival gardens. It will have far more grade A office space than it currently does at the moment. I think we'll have regenerated our waterfront and worked with the combined authority to increase the transportation links. We'll have improved the highways and we're already on with that at the moment so there's better connectivity and I do feel like Liverpool is, is going to be up there with the top tier cities but the good thing about us at the moment is we have some headroom for growth so we're attracting um, sectors, businesses that other people may not attract at this moment in time so I think the Liverpool of the future is going to be a very exciting place to live, work and invest. Thank you very much for talking to me. Not a problem, thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by The Developer, produced by Simon Mercer, with music by Fortet. I'm Christine Murray, and you can reach me on Twitter at, at TC Murray.